The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. My granddaughter found a Sovereign Grace Baptist Church up here. And from the word of your pastor, sounds like there's not very many of them around this area. And solid scriptural Baptist churches are few and far between in the day that we now live. And uh, it is a great honor to stand before you. It it was unexpected. And uh, I, I just hope and pray by the time... I'm done and over with here today that I'm not going to be judged as a wolf in sheep's clothing. So, But I've uh, appreciated the lunch that I've had with your pastor. It was very good. And uh, we feel that we're more well acquainted with ourselves right now and we discuss certain issues and, and we are on the same page. I can say that. And uh, it doesn't bother me none whatsoever for my granddaughter to come to this church and uh, but it pleased me too to learn that this church has accepted the New Hampshire Confession of Faith and I preach on these articles pretty often down there in Greenfield where I've been pastoring And I thought I'd start off here this evening just a little bit uh, telling you about the history of the church that I pastor. And I've been there since 1980 for 37 years. But the church had its beginning there and was organized February 2nd, 1951. And it was through the work of Brother Ashley White and Ashley White was endorsed out of the Missionary Baptist Church of, of Hayward. And being pastored by Brother Lawrence Crawford. And it turned out that uh, Lawrence Crawford and this church was affiliated with the American Baptist Association. And so naturally this, this came down there to Greenfield and the church was originally with the American Baptist Association. And this here was before the Lord saved my soul, you see, before I had come along. And, uh, but here the church had been going through some very rough times and it was about ready to disband. And one of the remaining members made a phone call to some ministers up in Salinas and I can give you the names but I'm trying to save time too but Art Harris was one of my mentors in the ministry and he was a pastor in the church and he called others down to minister and preach for the Greenfield Church and this here also involved uh, Richard Harless coming out of Modesto and before we knew it they had called a missionary uh, to fill in the pulpit and his name was Ora Holloway and 
I, I know I don't like to share stories about God's grace in my side. I love to talk about God's grace, but I don't like to be selfish and talk about the grace that worked in my soul. Uh, but I was ungodly, and my wife had been raised up in this church. And uh, she wasn't serving the Lord when I found her. And uh, that pastor, Brother Oral Holloway, came knocking on the door and seeing my wife's name that had been on the, on the, on the roll. And this really upset my wife, you see. Uh, he's trying to encourage her to get back to church. And then I come home from work and says, all we're doing is teaching our children about Santa Claus and Easter Bunny, and I want them to know about my Lord. And so she started serving, uh, serving the Lord, and this here was against my will. It was the last thing I wanted in my life. And this, uh, if you want to learn about the irresistible grace of God, then, beloved, I tell you, I'm an example of that because I tried to resist him and I lost You'll lose every time. And when God's grace has found you, you are found. You are found. And there's no going back. And when God's grace finds his sheep that have been lost, I mean they will persevere in the faith. They might have some little upsets now and then. They might get a little hold of some of the goat's loco weed and everything else. But, beloved, you will persevere to the end. And I'm thankful for the keeping power of God and his grace and his salvation. But here we are. Uh, the church had been reestablished by the works of Brother Orr Holloway, and I was saved by God's grace under his ministry. But now... Uh, through their efforts, were now affiliated with the old California State Association. Some of you may not know too much about these things, you see. But even then, in the California State Association, there was diversity in this. I mean, you have Calvinists over here, and you have Arminians over here, and then by the time I came along, there was a new school of Baptists coming up, New Lightism. New Lightism. And boy, this here's where you don't get the Spirit of Christ until you've been baptized and all this stuff. But I can tell you, I had the Spirit when I presented myself for membership. The Lord's grace had saved my soul. And I mean, He's living in my heart, even right now as I speak. And... And so we had to go independent. We've been independent church since uh, 1994, I believe it was. And uh, the Lord, at this time, you see, there's a great deal of conversion, in, even in my life. I was brought up under that Arminianism in the old California state. Now the Lord's converted me by his grace in Calvinistic doctrine. And I was even talking to your pastor about this, and, and uh, I asked him, I said, you do know Tulip, don't you? And taught him to your people. Oh, yeah, I know Tulip. I know Tulip, and my people has been taught the Tulip doctrine. But if there's some younger ones here that maybe have not yet learned this, I mean, it, it covers the whole 
grace of God. The T is for total depravity. The U, it's an acrostic, you see. The U is unconditional election. And for those that may not uh, want to believe that, uh, well, the world, uh, God is going to save the world. There's, one, there's many that want to believe that, but L is for limited atonement. And limited atonement is also called particular redemption. Christ came to seek and to save his lost sheep. And there's a distinction between goats and sheep. I know on the ranch where I was raised up, we had a couple wild goats. And I mean, when they would come down to the crowd, the water, I mean, you can tell... Where the, sh where the goats had showed up because it stunk. <laughs> I, I'm, I say this for real. But it wasn't that way with the sheep. Uh, but I mean, we are denominated. The landmark missionary, well, I'm sorry, I didn't even get to the end, did I, on that? Uh, the eye the is... Irresistible grace and particular redemption and the P I use in a couple words. The preservation of the saints as well as the perseverance of the saints. And so we, we have that. But now, some may be unfamiliar with landmarkism. I mean, landmarkism, you see, this originated through the labors of J.R. Graves and J.M. Pendleton. Have you ever read about them, Pastor Smith? See? And there's another one, A.C. Dayton. And A.C. Dayton wrote a fantastic set of books, Theodosa Ernest. And I would recommend, if you've not read that, find it and read it. I mean, you'll love it. I mean, it, it is so good. Uh, but I'm going to ask us right now uh, to turn your Bibles to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And when you find Hebrews, the 12th chapter, I'd like for you to rise to your feet. And I, I hold this tradition through Ezra in the Old Testament. When he opened the book of the law, all the people stood up. They all stood up. And so we're to honor and revere the very word of God. It is so precious. It is so precious. And I'm going to begin my reading at verse 25. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore we receive in a kingdom, 
which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Let us pray. Our Father, we come before your throne, thanking thee for your Son, Christ Jesus, whom you so freely sent to us to die on Calvary's cross. Lord, for the remission of our sins. I'm thankful for thy grace, dear Lord, that seeks and saves. And I'm thankful for these saints that are standing before me at this time, and we pray that thy word will be a blessing unto them. And may we ever hold your word in high esteem and in great reverence. May we ever hunger and thirst for its truth. For there's no other way but, O Lord. And I pray your blessing upon the pastor of this church, that he may continue to lead her in a way that would be pleasing unto thee. And Lord, also be with me, and that I'm not going to uh, teach man's wisdom, but the wisdom that comes from thee and thy word. And thank you, Lord, for saving my soul from its sin. And may your will be done, and may you receive the honor, the glory, and the praise. And I ask this in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I know whether it's appropriate or not, I thought, I would, thought it would be somewhat fitting. Uh, I know that you have all experienced some very troubling times up here in this area by all the fires uh, that have come through your country and I'm thankful for the pastor desiring this uh, offering for those in great need at this time. Uh, I don't know how you've experienced this trying time but if you're like I am you see uh, what we often like to use the word sympathy and empathy and I can say that I have sympathy for them, but it's difficult for me to imagine empathy because I've never experienced such trouble in my life before. But yet, our hearts go out to them, and I know that you are also praying uh, for that, that the Lord would lift them up and the Spirit of God comfort them for that loss. And... As you know, according to Romans 8 and 28, that God in his providence has purpose in all things that come to pass. Uh, and uh, whether these fires were uh, started by forces of God's nature or whether the fires were started uh, by human error, I know not. But one thing that I can assure you, nothing happens by chance, and that these fires, regardless of how they rage through the mighty winds, it was a divinely controlled burn. Whether we can comprehend it or not, it was a divinely controlled burn. And it can even be included in my prayer regarding the victims of, the, of this fire. Some of these souls you may know, some of you may have experienced, you see. But I would pray 
you know that these souls would see the hand of God and the fierceness of his power and that they'll cry out to him for deliverance. And I know that I've shared this with my saints numerous times and sometimes I share it with others and it, it also reminds me of back there in uh, Texas and Florida, Puerto Rico, we've had all these hurricanes but years ago, I can't even remember what year it was, but uh, there was a hurricane coming to Florida and I mean uh, residents were uh, told to find some safe places to hide and well this lady's this lady's husband had a business and his business was operated in this real heavy metal building I mean metal walls and everything and I mean here comes the hurricane and I mean, this was on the news. And you can hear that metal just rattling away, just rattling away. And I mean, it was just making such a racket. And I mean, the next thing I know, the cameras turned on the wife of, the, of this man's business in the place there. And her throne was a toilet, whether you like to hear that or not on her bended knee, leaning over the toilet, crying out to God, please God, please God, stop it. Stop it, Lord. She knew who had the power to shut that hurricane off and where it came from. It came through the hand of God. And I mean, even these fires, as though we don't like to talk about them and things of this nature, God has a purpose in it. And that's why I wanted to read that verse of Scripture, Our God is a consuming fire. But notice there in verse 25 it says, See that you refuse not him that speaketh. That is the present tense, as if it, was, as if it would read to you and I, even today, that we refuse not him that is speaking. God speaks to us yet today. And yet today, he still yet speaks to you and I. And, and I mean, there's a very similar expression of this in the second chapter. But notice there at the conclusion of verse 25, If they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, well, who was that? That was the Lord Jesus Christ himself and the prophets that were before him. And I mean... Much more shall not you and I escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. But notice in the second chapter where we have this similar expression. Countless times here the apostle is giving these warnings. And he says in the very first verse, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Don't let them slip. If we're not in the right way right now, I believe that our hearts by His Spirit would reveal to you the error of your way, and you don't want to let it slip. It should be your foremost and first thought and prayer to God. Set me in the right path that is well-pleasing to thee. For if the word 
that was spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How are you going to escape? If you know not the Lord that I serve, you're lost. And there is no escape. I say nothing to make a boast of my own self or anything of this nature, but I, I try to go out every Saturday, and it should be more. That's how guilty I feel of my own work for the Lord. But I try to knock on doors every Saturday that I can. And I hear so many excuses. Well, if the Lord was to take your life today, would you go to heaven or hell? Well, gee, I sure hope I go to heaven. I says, well, what do you put your hope in? What are you placing your faith in? Well, I've been trying to do the very best I can all of my life. I do good things to help other people. I do this. Well, they're trying to work their way to heaven. It doesn't work that way. Because God sent forth His Son to do a saving work for you and I. And it cost Him the blood of redemption. He came to redeem us by His precious blood. And it's very similar to the very picture that you get at back there in Egypt. I mean, God's people were hurting back there in Egypt, weren't they? They were in bondage. They, they were in hard slavery, making cities for Egypt and everything. And they begin to cry out to God. They begin to cry out to God for His deliverance. And we know how they got their deliverance. I want you children of Israel. And notice too, I want you, if you can't even see an election of God in that scenario, I don't, I mean, hey Lord, open thou mine eyes that I might see. There wasn't no salvation for the world at that time. But it was for the salvation and redemption of the children of Israel with whom he had made covenant with. And no other. And now you children of Israel, you're going to take yourselves a lamb. You're going to kill the lamb and you're going to take the blood of that lamb. And you're going to put it on the side post and the lantern of the door. And then when I see the blood, when I, when I send the power of my angel through Egypt, when I see that blood, I will pass over you. Well, what do we need this blood for? It ain't going to do me no good, and I don't want to hurt my poor little pet lamb. See, we make all kinds of excuses. Well, I'll tell you what, that death angel would have gone right through the door and taken their lives. They would have been lost for all eternity. But it's only by the blood of the Lamb. And is that blood of the Lamb still in power today? Oh, it lives on. Oh, it is speaking blood. It speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. I mean, it's still redeeming souls. It still has redeemed them already. The work has been done. You don't have to do anything to save yourself, but the, the only re requisite of your salvation is that you're going to have to repent of your sins and acknowledge of who and what you are. You're condemned already. You're born dead spiritually to God. And this is a hard one to receive because we, according to our human judgments and estimations, we esteem 
I mean particularly those whom we love in our families and everything. They may be having, they may be tending a faithfully a, a, a different denomination and they uh, that believe in a different God than what you believe. Oh, but they're good. They're good. And I've, I've never known this fellow there to do a bad deed or anything else. So you esteem them good as they are without the blood. Well, listen, Moses was even a typical of the Lord Jesus Christ when you get right down to this. But I mean, even Moses had to have that blood. And Jesus is our Passover. If you want God's wrath and His death, His judgment, if you want the God that is a consuming fire to pass over you, repent, for we all have sinned. There's none good. There's none righteous. There's none that seeketh after God. They've all gone astray. Romans, the third chapter. You cannot escape. There's no other way of salvation but in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. No other way. See, the, the apostle in this letter to the Hebrews, they were Hebrew believers. You might want to call them Hebrew Christians. And they were beginning to have doubts. They were being filled with confusion. And I mean, they had been brought out of their religion of Judaism. And now that they're having thoughts of returning to this. Salvation by the works of the law and the law we've all transgressed. We've all transgressed, but now they want to go back to this. Him that was speaking to them according to our original text, I mean this was the man Christ Jesus whom God had sent. He was the God-man. The God-man who declared to you and I in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's just absolutely, absolutely no other way. There's no other way. Then verse 26 of that original text, I mean it spoke about the voice that shook the earth. It shook the earth. And I mean these, these Hebrew saints, they surely understood what the apostle was referring to when he was speaking about this voice. Even our Savior, and it always... This has always burdened me when I get down to this. I mean, when we speak about 
worshiping our Lord. We, we speak about being the members of a blood-bought church. We speak about worshiping him in spirit and truth. And yet there are so many that it, sometimes they, they do not come to services on a regular basis. And well, it's not necessary, they may feel in their heart. I'm too busy. I've been hard-pressed. Much is being required of me, and I haven't got time for the Lord. So they just keep putting things off when you get right down to that. But here, in Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 16, you're going to read over there that, that Jesus, you see... He, he had, well, uh, let me turn over there and read this. I probably couldn't quote it properly. Verse 16 of Luke, the fourth chapter. And he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, as his custom was, this was his way of life. This was his practice. This was his livelihood. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Well, I'm not going to get in a de debate about the Sabbath day. We know that Jesus arose again on the first day of the week. And the day of our worship has been the first day of the week ever since. You see, but I, I mean, hey, when the door of the Lord's church is open, I believe that's where God's people it ought to be. I've, I've gotten on the case of some of my own members from time to time. I tell them, I says, what's the first thing that you expect to see when you walk through the church door? And it's just an automatic thing. Well, the first thing that I think I'll see when I walk through the church doors, you sitting up there. I, I said, now why would you expect to see me standing up here at the church? I mean, well, what if I decided, oh, I need a vacation. I'm just going to take off. Or I'm going to miss me a football game. I'm going to miss me a, some kind of a ball game, so I'm going to take the time off. I mean, you expect the pastor to be here every time you walk through the doors, don't you? What gives you excuse? Now, I'm not here to rebuke hearts or anything of this nature, but I'm just sharing something that's, that's in my heart. I expect my members to be here, and I, I believe this pastor expects his to be here too. Now, our God is a consuming fire. I'd like for us to turn to Exodus, the third chapter. It says... In verse 1, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Oreb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire 
out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And we go over to verse 12 of this same chapter, and he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee, when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And now, this mountain was a mountain of God, even of Orb. Okay? And so Moses, you're going to go down to Egypt. You're going to round up my people after I cast ten plagues down upon, the, upon Egypt and Pharaoh. And when you come out, I mean, Pharaoh's not going to like it. He's going to chase after you. But you're going to be driven right there to the edge of the Red Sea. And, I mean, don't let the people fear because just tell the people, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You're going to go forward and the Lord opens the water and they were baptized into Moses. Two walls of water upon them and the cloud overshadowing them. They were immersed in God. And we have been baptized unto Jesus, beloved. We have been immersed. We've been buried. And we've put on Christ. That was our public testimony. And now they come forth out of the water, and Moses leads them to Horeb. Moses leads them to Horeb. And, I mean, now we turn over here to Exodus, the 19th chapter, because this is where God is going to reveal himself to the children of Israel that they had cried for for so many years. And this is where God delivers unto them the moral law, what we all know is the Ten Commandments. Boy, I'm thankful I've never broken any of these commandments. Whew. Can you say that? Well, I can't either. I can't either. I broke the very first one as soon as I was born. And I mean, I loved anything and everything except for God. I didn't even know who God was. You know, some of you, I'm sure, were brought up in Christian homes, and I praise God for that, but I wasn't. I wasn't. So, anyway, uh, uh, even when the Lord found me, saved my soul, I didn't even know how to pray, and I've quoted this many times uh, about my own testimony. Uh, I won't tell you about how my wife and I were getting along at that time, but... Here it was about 2.30 at night. I couldn't sleep. And I was... Oh, you talk about conviction. You talk about trouble. So here's, here's my first prayer I ever prayed in my life. God, if this is what my wife wants for me, then I want it too. And it worked. He heard my prayer. I mean, oh, I tell you, I'll never forget that night. Have you forgotten your salvation? Have you forgotten the place? Oh, boy, you, you, it's a moment you'll never forget. You'll never forget it. And I thank God so much for saving my soul. But now... Here in Exodus, the 19th chapter, 
Oh, there's so much more I'd like to read, but that clock's not being fair to me back there. Uh, here in the... Uh, I'm sorry, I meant to say uh, Exodus 20. Exodus 20. And uh, I did want to read some there in the 19th chapter because it speaks about the burning mountain, the quaking, the fire. And our God's a consuming fire, you see. But here... Verse 18, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear thee, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that this fear may be before your faces that you sin not. That you sin not. And I believe that it's going to prove to them that they're going to fail. They will sin. And they turned to other gods as time lapsed. And it's very disappointing for some, and some even may want to disbelieve it, but God had to add 40 years of getting this generation of, of Israel, well actually this generation perished in the wilderness. They never made it to Canaan. Canaan, you can say, could be used in a typical expression as being our heaven. We, we, we have a hope, don't we? I mean, our, our hope and our faith is founded upon the promises of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, there's laid up for us, uh, I mean, an, an, an inheritance. And I, I like to speak about how uh, that you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though uh, He was rich, yet He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. And I stand before you, the richest man upon the face of this earth right now, and it's a richness that we all share together if you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But if we cross hairs with the, with, with the moral law of God... And, and want to make excuse for ourselves where everybody else is doing it. Uh, I don't know why I can either. They seem to be getting away with it. Listen, beloved, they did not escape. You cannot escape. Two souls of that generation that, that Moses led, led into Canaan. Two souls... Joshua and Achan. All the others perished. And we want to know why. Well, we have to turn over here to Hebrews, the third chapter. Hebrews, the third chapter.
So many times here in Hebrews, the apostle brings warning and exhortation to these saints. And verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today if you will hear his voice. I've always loved that. The Apostle Paul uses these words also to the Corinthians. Today is the day of salvation. Today. Tomorrow may not be. So you better take opportunity of this day. But if you hear his voice, you harden not your hearts as in the provocation. In the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my works forty years, and wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do all the air in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. And take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. I mean, listen, boy, what a warning. Take heed. Be warned. Be watchful. Don't any of you fall back to an evil heart of unbelief. This here is apostasy. This here is a departing from the living God. But you and I who believe, let us exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if... We always have to watch out for those ifs, beloved, because this here is a conditional statement. It's conditional. We are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see that they, were, uh, they could not enter in because of unbelief. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Not being mixed with faith. You must have faith. Without faith it is impossible to believe him. And we also know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And yet they could not enter in because of unbelief. And yet there are those that will say, 
but I believe. But I believe in God. But in that faith and in that hope, has your heart truly been regenerated? Were you given a new heart? The heart of stone taken out, given a heart of flesh? And has he put a spirit within your heart and moved you to keep his word? Ezekiel the 36th chapter. Uh, so many tell me how they believe. I'm even reminded of the Pharisees and Sadducees that went to John the Baptist's baptism. They wanted to be baptized by him. Others had came confessing their sins and believing upon the Lamb that should come. So here comes the self-righteous Pharisees and Sadducees. And John the Baptist says, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. Where's the evidence that you've repented? I saw no sorrow of heart for sinning against the Almighty God and Creator the very one that gives you the breath that you breathe and that you don't want to have nothing to do with? Oh, boy. Well, in that original text that I read there, it says that we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Like I said, that clock isn't being fair, brother. I'm going to try to narrow this thing down, bring it to a close, and changing my thoughts a little bit. Well, it's really not changing the subject. But our Lord has promised to those that have received Him that He's coming again. He's going to come. And what is moving and stirring to me about this very thought is that sometimes even you and I who believe, we put a presumption within our very heart and say, well, I'm certain that my Lord and Savior's probably not going to come in my generation. I'm probably going to die before the Lord comes. Has that thought ever crossed you? I'll probably die before He comes. Do we have the assurance that we're going to die before He comes? See, this is why it's so important that we're going to be ready. Is He going to come upon you as a thief in the night? Unexpectedly? And bring shame to you? 
Are we going to be like the watchman that uh, he sat up for that old robber and he put a stop for him so he couldn't break through and steal. But Jesus says, Blessed are they, blessed are they who are ready and watching. Ready and watching. Ah, oh, there's no need for me to be ready now. The Lord's not going to come in my lifetime. I might be setting up for Lord only knows how many years before He returns. So why watch? Why watch? We've got to turn to Second Peter. The third chapter. This second epistle, Peter says, verse 1. Beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. Don't forget the, even the context of what we originally read in Hebrews. We shall not escape if we don't give heed to that which has been spoken or is being spoken by our Lord and Savior. See, our Savior's on the right hand of the majesty on high. He still speaketh from heaven. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days are we in the last days? The apostle said in Second Timothy 3, This know also, brethren, that in the last days perilous times shall come. And they're going to be walking after their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? Where is it? Are we one of these asking this question? Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. One age has already passed. One world. One world was destroyed through a deluge upon the face of this earth. And now we're going to have this world that we're living in right now. That's not going to be baptized in a ball of water, but it's going to be baptized in a ball of consuming fire of God. How do I know that? Well, 
because the Bible tells me so. I just got to keep reading a little bit more. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to continue reading. Verse 7, But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day, and the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. He's not holding back, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, one writer I read after told me that the long-suffering of God is our salvation. Now, what if the Lord... You know, we've had some try to make promises to you and I that I've got it all figured out when the Lord's coming. And this has been tried before by others before us. But Jesus was going to return in 1914. Okay? Jesus would have returned in 1914. If he had come in 1914... I'd have perished, you see. I would have not been numbered. I would have not been included in the grace of God. I mean, it's all right there. He's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. And I can assure you, there's some still out there right now right now that God is not willing to perish and His long-suffering will be their salvation when you and I take the gospel to them that their souls might be saved by God's grace. And, and, and that is verse 15 of the same chapter, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. It is our long-salvation. So God may be waiting a little bit longer. But he's going to come. But I wanted to show you that it's going to be the perdition of ungodly men. And verse 10 of this same chapter says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein, they shall be burnt up. Our God is a consuming fire. There's not going to be nothing remaining of the first uh, earth in, in heaven at this time. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Are you getting the warning? Are you getting the admonition? Do you see the exhortation? Beloved, that we might serve God in reverence and godly fear. I mean, that we should live our life in holy conversation and godliness, looking for present tense, looking for while we're living this holy life, and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, 
wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And nevertheless, we, you and I, seeing or according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Are you looking for this new heaven and this new earth? Beloved, I am. And if you are, beloved, just continue to serve God in reverence, godly fear, and give the more things a heed to the things that you've heard. And I, I thank you so much uh, for this privilege to stand before you. And I'm going to turn things over to your pastor right now, and he'll be in charge of closing the service. Lord bless one and all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronit Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronit Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org